0: I really struggled with texting, and it took me a while to figure out why people did it, because uh, I I thought, you know, here we have all these great cell phones, and we can actually now talk to each other. Why don't you just call somebody and talk to them? You know, why do do you text? And people started explaining it to me and, and showing me how backward I was and how behind times... And and they would say things like, oh, Mark, think about this. If you call someone and you're in a meeting or something or they're in a meeting, maybe they can't talk to you. And the great thing about texting is that you you can even in the middle of a meeting or something, you can read a text message. and, And it's a very personal thing. There's all these abbreviations. And when you, you know, when you talk to someone on the phone, they can be real verbose and they can take a long time to get to the point. But texts get right to the point and they have an expeditious way of getting to the point. And and that got me thinking, and the reason why I came up with this series is I've heard that same question that I asked. A lot of people have asked me through the years, why doesn't God just talk to us, you know? Why, if, if God is God and, and we're here on the earth, why doesn't God just talk to us? Well, the deal is God has texted you. God has sent you all kinds of text messages, and, and we call this the Bible. And the reason why God texts you is He wants you to hear the message that He has for you and know what He wants you to do. And, and most of all, He does it in the most expeditious way. And we're going to just centralize on some texting that Jesus did in His time frame. He called these things parables. And for the next. Full weeks, I'm going to share with you some of God's text messages for you and me. Now, you just saw one a few moments ago. It's the story that we call the Good Samaritan. And in this story that you just caught a piece of, let me just back up from the beginning and tell you how it all came down. Jesus was teaching one day, and a lawyer came up to him. And lawyers are notorious for asking questions. That's what they do. And this lawyer came to Jesus, and he had a question. And the only thing about the question, and let me ask you this. Has anyone ever asked you like the wrong question and there wasn't like an answer to it if you said yes That was wrong. If you said no that was wrong. It's just the wrong question The dominoes were set up wrong And if you've ever had to answer a question like that, you know the spot that jesus is in because his lawyer asked him the wrong question Here was the question It was this what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? Well, the thing about that is you can't do anything to go to heaven heaven is a gift eternal life is god's gift to you and if you try to do something in order to get it you mess it up and there's no way that you can do enough and, and people have told me this over the years they said things like well mark I, i'm going to heaven because i'm a member of a church well i personally think and you can understand that i'm biased i personally think you're in the greatest church in the world today i love new spring church it's been my life Uh, for the last nearly 23 years. But being a member of New Spring Church will not get you out of Sedgwick County when you die. I love this church, but joining a church will not get you into heaven. People say, well, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments. Great, how are you doing with that? I'm all messed up with that first one, the one that says love God with all your heart and have no other gods before. I'm struggling with that one. And so in order to get to heaven, you have to be perfect. If you're going to do something to get there, you have to be perfect. So it was the wrong question to ask. But he asked Jesus, what do I have to do to get to heaven? Jesus said, well, you're a lawyer. And in those days, you know, Israel, at least on paper, was a theocracy. And the first part of the Bible is called the law. And all their law was based on that. Jesus said, you're a lawyer. You got a law book. You tell me. What do you have to do to go to heaven? So the lawyer thinks for a few moments. And he comes up with the law that most Jewish people would have known about, which was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, cool, do that. Well, he knew there was no way in the world he could lay any claim to having loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm not knocking him. I, I, I'm the same way. There's no way I could say for 30 minutes of my 51 years, I have loved God with everything I've had. So I'm I messed up with that first one. And he knew that he couldn't lay any claim to that, and he wasn't going to try to make Jesus think that he had. So now he begins to apply his lawyerly skill, his, his, his skills as an attorney, because he's going to try to negotiate with Jesus at the weakest point of this idea of what he would have to do to get eternal life, which was loving his neighbor as, as himself. But just like we parse things in our world, people back then parse things too. And even though they knew that was in the Bible that you needed to love your neighbor as yourself, they had come up with all kinds of ways to say, you're not my neighbor. You're a non-neighbor. If they didn't like someone, if they thought a person's lifestyle was not good enough, if that person was the wrong color, if that person was from the wrong background, they could say, you're a non-neighbor. You're not my neighbor. I don't have to love you. And so this lawyer now is going to go after Jesus and ask him this question, who is my neighbor? And he wasn't really asking, who should I love? He was asking, who do I not have to love? Ever feel like that? I mean, some of you, you know, you're God followers, but you're saying, I know God tells me to love everybody, but I just cannot love him. I cannot love her. I don't know why. I just got a mental block there. I don't like the way she lives her life. I don't like the way he talks. I just don't want to love that person. And so I'm kind of, I understand where the lawyer's coming from, because he's asking Jesus, who can I not love? And instead of Jesus giving him a list of who was a neighbor and a non-neighbor, Jesus tells him a story. He said there was this guy. He was a Jewish guy. And in fact, he was saying to the lawyer, you would like this guy. He's your kind of guy. He's somebody you would consider a neighbor. And he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I've got to tell you, I've never been to Israel. You know, many people have been very gracious and tried to pay my way to go, but I've, just, I've never gone to Israel. Some of you have, and you know this road. You know what it's like. I've never seen it. But I do know the road is about 17 miles long, and here's the big thing. It drops Thirty-four hundred feet in altitude. Now you can just put your mind to work and imagine dropping thirty-four hundred feet within seventeen miles. The route from road to Jerusalem to Jericho was a very difficult thing to travel, and there were caves, and it was it was it was tough. Now you know this has absolutely nothing to do with the message today. It's just my ADD kicking in, but. You know, if you remember the story where Jesus was 12 years old and he stayed behind and he was talking to the guys in the temple and Joseph and Mary thought that they were with him and they went on they had to double back and come back and find Jesus and Joseph was a little upset with Jesus. That's because Joseph had to climb 3,400 feet over 17 miles to go back and get Jesus. And for all of you who have a 12-year-old kid, you can imagine how you would have responded to that. But it wasn't just a difficult road. The road was notorious. For robbing for for you know for robbers hiding out with these caves and waiting until it was dark and they would ambush travelers and this guy that jesus said to this lawyer he said the guy you would like he was traveling this road from jerusalem to jericho and a gang jumped him and they thought they'd killed him he wasn't dead but they thought they'd killed him and they left him there lying in the middle of the road they stripped him they took all the clothing that was worth something they cut him they beat him left him there and jesus said here's what happens next a priest came that way by chance as Jesus word. It just so happened that a priest walked that direction. Priests were people who knew a lot about the Bible. They knew a whole lot of Scripture. They were people who represented human beings to God. And so I'm, I'm tracking with this lawyer here who's listening to Jesus tell the story. And Jesus had said this, you know, uh, it just so happened you know, here's a guy lying in the road, just so happened that a priest walked that way. And if I'm that lawyer, I'm thinking to myself, I know what's going to happen next. I don't even have to hear the rest of the story. This priest, this guy who knew a lot about the Bible, he's going to come over and help this guy who's hurt and lying there. But that wasn't what happened in Jesus' story. Jesus said, didn't happen. Priest, instead of going to help the guy, walked over to the other side of the road and just ignored him. Next, the Bible says, Jesus' story says, as he's texting this thing out, he says, a Levite's coming that way. Levites were not necessarily priests. They were guys who just served. They, they were like people who volunteer at church. They're the doers, the hands-on kind of people. If I'm the liar, I'm thinking, okay, I got this now because, you know, maybe this preacher, maybe this guy who knew a lot about the Bible, maybe this guy's passing him by for some reason, but the doer, the hands-on guy, he's going to go over and help him. But Jesus said, no, it didn't happen. The Levite, the guy who volunteered at church, he walked to the other side of the road and passed him on by, left him lying there on the road. Jesus is still going. Along comes the Samaritan. Oh, No. Samaritans were from the wrong side of the religious tracks. They were half-breeds. They were people who struggled to know who God was. They were many of them in idolatry. And here, think about the way Jesus is setting up the story with this piece of information. If a good Jewish person, especially a priest or a Levite or a lawyer, if, if a good Jewish person saw a Samaritan walking toward them on the same side of the street, they would cross over to the other side to make sure that they did not get defiled by walking on the same dust that a Samaritan walked on. They called, the Jewish leaders called the Samaritans dogs, and they weren't thinking about your pet poodle when they called them dogs. I say that because I have a pet poodle. <laughs> but what they would do, th- they, they just, insult, and so you, and I could just hear this lawyer thinking, you know, what's going on here? This Samaritan is going to finish him off. The guy's lying there on the road. Surely the Samaritan's not going to help. But in Jesus' story, he said, no. The Samaritan did three things. He walked over to where he was, and then he bound up the wounds, the cuts, the knife marks, where there was open bleeding going on. He, he bound up and closed up the wounds, and he poured in a, a wine, which would have been an antiseptic, and he put ointment or oil to, to give him comfort. And then he picked him up and put him on his own animal And took him to a hotel and paid three, think about this, three weeks of a hotel bill. He paid the hotel guy and he said, listen, take care of this guy. And when I come back at the end of my business trip, if he's cost you any more than this, I'll pay for it. Think about this. He came where he was. He cared about him. And he did something about it. Now Jesus turned to the lawyer and said, Who do you think was the real neighbor in the story here? How are you doing with that story? I've read it since I was a kid. I've talked about it since I was, I mean, I started preaching when I was 16. I've been talking about it to crowds for years of my life. And and I listen to the story. And you know what I think to myself? I think, hey, I do pretty well with this. You know, I I do pretty well. If I see somebody who's hurting, if I see somebody who who needs help, I, I really do a pretty good job. I think of being what we call now Good Samaritan. Let me ask you. If you knew that somebody was hungry, maybe where you work, somebody's having such a hard time, they can't afford to bring a lunch. And you see them sitting there during lunchtime and they're not eating because they don't have money to eat. Would you help them? I don't know everybody who attends the three services here at New Springs, so I'm not sure I know who, know you, but I'm going to guess right now. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to guess you would say, I'd do, the, I'd do something about that. If I worked with somebody in my office, or if I went to school with someone, or if I knew there was a family in my neighborhood that couldn't afford groceries, I, I'd do something about it. I think you would. I don't know everybody here, but I'm guessing you would do something about it. Some of you may have done exactly something like that, and, and you're saying, yeah, Mark, that's in my heart. I would do that, and I think you would. Okay, let's ratchet it up a little bit. You're driving on one of these dark Kansas countryside roads that we have, and you're just kind of like, you know, watching the, the headlights, you know, stream that, out in front of you, and then all of a sudden you see something off the side. Someone's had a one-car accident. There's a woman in a car. She's driven off the road. She's hit a tree. She's slumped against the steering wheel. Her head is gashed and bleeding, and, and, and you can tell she's still alive. Let me ask you a question. Do you stop? Do you help? <coughs> Would you get your phone out and call 911? Would you do what you could to help her? I don't know everybody here, but I bet you what. I'm guessing you would do everything you could to save a life. What if you saw someone being attacked by a group? Maybe, maybe you saw someone, you know, you're just driving or walking or whatever, and all of a sudden there's an innocent person. Maybe there's a, a woman who's about to be assaulted. Maybe there's someone who's about to be a victim of attack. Would you do something about that? Would you stop? Or would you walk to the other side of the road and say, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, that's happened in American cities before where someone was being attacked in broad daylight and everybody just passed by and pretended not to see. Would you stop and would you help? I think you would. I don't know everybody here, but I'm guessing you would not let an innocent person be attacked right in front of your eyes. See, my, my guess is that you can hear me talk about the Good Samaritan, and you would say, well, I do pretty well with that, Mark, because I think I do too. But there's one blind spot that many, many God followers have, because the worst trouble any human being can be in is not going without lunch. It's not being in an automobile accident. And as horrible as it is, it wouldn't be to be attacked. The worst trouble any human being can be in is not to know Jesus Christ. And many of us who are Christ followers, maybe even New Springers, I mean, many of us who would not let someone go without lunch, many of us who would not let someone languish in an automobile accident without help, many of us who would put our lives on the line to protect an innocent victim will walk past people we love very much who don't know Jesus and will walk to the other side of the road and will never say anything to them. We'll talk about stuff that doesn't make any difference at all with we 'll talk about shopping we 'll talk about sports we 'll talk about food we 'll talk about other people who work there we 'll we'll talk with people we 'll talk about people you know we 'll talk about all kinds of stuff and at the end of the day we 're thinking, you know, I really like that guy, I really like that gal, but i 've never said anything about Jesus. Why do we walk to the other side of the road i mean Jesus talks a lot about what happens after life. See, here's the deal. This life is very short. At most, we're going to live about 100 years, and then we're going into eternity. And the Bible says it does make a difference where you go. There are two places to go when this life is over, and I'm not spelling this out. Jesus spelled it out. Jesus said you either go to heaven to live with God forever or a person goes to hell to be without God forever. Let's say something for a moment. Let's suppose for a moment there is no hell. Let's suppose, you know, the place that Jesus talked about where people go without Christ, where they spend eternity. Let's just suppose for a moment that there is no hell. Let's just say that there's only heaven. People either go to heaven or they don't go to heaven. We talked about it during the Tomorrowland series. Heaven is awesome. God is there. People don't get sick there. People don't die there. People don't age there. People enjoy. I mean, it's everything God destined us to experience. If you love somebody, let's say there's not even a hell. Let's just say it's either heaven or not heaven. Could you even walk by somebody that you love very much if all that was going to happen was that they would miss heaven? But that's not the whole story. If you look in Luke chapter 16, Jesus said, heaven is a very clearly defined place. Hell is a very clearly defined place. For people who don't have Christ, there's only one more alternative. You say, well, Mark, I don't like that. Trust me, I don't like that either. I would avoid it if I could. But it wasn't some wild-haired prophet. It was Jesus. who Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else. I would love to avoid it. But here's the deal. If I say there is no hell, I have to look Jesus Christ in the face and say to him, you are a liar. And as much as I don't want to think about hell, I'm not prepared to do that. I have to ask myself, why do I walk to the other side of the road? When so much is at at stake, I, I would, by lunch, I would help them if they were in an automobile accident. I would, I would think, I think I would put my life on the line if they were under attack. But why do I walk to the other side of the road about the thing that matters most in the world? I've spent pretty much the last 10 or 12, actually more than that, almost two weeks I've spent in northern England and Scotland. And we had great experiences. If you're here at Power Lines this Wednesday, I'll be talking about those. And God did awesome things. Thank you for all of you who prayed. But one of our concerts was in a town in England called Stride-on-Trent. We had driven like eight hours to get there. And we had a GPS system, but every once in a while, stuff just doesn't go well with GPS systems. And we were totally lost. You know, it's one thing to be lost in Wichita. It's something else to be on another continent and you're there with a the whole van load of Americans, you know, and you don't know where to go. And so we got on our cell phone and we called the local pastor there at whose church we were having the concert and, and the message and we called him and he said, Well, let me get my map. I have a whole new definition of lost. When you don't know where you are, and you call someone who lives there and they have to get a map, you are lost. He looked at the map for a little while and he said, you guys are at a place that is not even on the map. (laughs) And we sat there in this neighborhood and by the way, I saw on the BBC, they listed the the, the 20 best places to live in the UK and the 20 worst places to live in the UK and we were in one of the 20 worst places to live in the UK and I was feeling it. (laughs) And this mom and daughter came out. Daughter was a teenage girl and she looked a little bit like a young Diana and this real sweet girl came out, and they took time, and they said, here's where you are, and here's how to get to where you need to go. See, she lived there. And I think to myself, you and I are followers of Jesus, most of us. And We know the way. And, and people are lost. That's the word God uses for it. And in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says many times they're lost and they don't know how to get home. They've made so many bad turns, they don't know how to get home. And you and I know. And unlike that real sweet girl that helped us find our way, oftentimes we walk to the other side of the street and we say, "Mm, maybe somebody will tell them someday. Or maybe there's not really a hell, which makes us beg the question, if there's not a hell, why did Jesus go through what he went through on the cross to keep us out of some place? we walk to the other side of the road. And I'm going to close this message today in a way that's really different, and it could be just a tad uncomfortable, but I'm asking, work with me, please. On November 3rd and 4th, in the text message series, we have one weekend set aside that's going to show the love of God, I believe, like no other service we've ever had at New Spring Church. I believe it's as close, if you can encourage someone to be part of, the, of one of the weekend services, I believe it's going to be as close as you can possibly get to bringing someone to where the outstretched arms of God are. If you love somebody who needs Jesus and you want them to be in a place where they're going to feel and know and experience God's love, on our text weekend of November 3rd and 4th, everything we're going to do every word we're going to say, every song we're going to sing is meant to meet the people that you love on their home field and show them how much God loves them. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to think about who's in your circle, who's not yet in Jesus' circle. Who's in your Fab Five that's not in the Lord's circle? Would you be willing to not cross to the other side but would you be willing to walk where they are and say, I would love for you to be to worship with me. I'd love for you to go to church with me. My church is different. And, you know, you can really say that because New Spring is. You can say, my church is different. And, and God, you know, we're just going to have this awesome weekend. Please come. Sweeten the deal if you have to say. I'll take you to lunch at your favorite restaurant. Because, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're walking to where they are. Trust me, the people that you love, they've got wounds. Life has wounded them. Life has left them bleeding. They need the grace. They need the grace of God's precious ointment. I mean, they need the antiseptic of the cleansing power of God. And you're saying, you know what? I've been walking past this person, and I'm not going to do it. And here's the deal. Up here on this platform are circles. They're just circles written here. And from the two previous weekend services, People who've worshipped at your church have written the names of people that they're not going to walk past. That they're going to do whatever it takes. And here's the deal: when you write the name on this, it's going to be prayed over. I mean, people are going to pray for this person. They're going to pray for you. As they're going to ask that God will give you opportunities. They're going to ask that God will open the heart of the person that you're going to invite and give you favor with them. You say, "Well, Mark, I just don't know. I, I don't think there's any way in the world this person would come." Listen. When God goes to work, you have no idea what God's going to do. I'll talk about this Wednesday night. I'd always been told that people in Western Europe were closed to God, that it was a cold place. I spoke last Sunday night in Glasgow, and when I gave the invitation to receive Christ, there were so many people who accepted Christ, we couldn't even count them all. You know, people are not close to God. They're usually close to church as usual. That's what people are. They're so stinking tired of what passes for Christianity, but they're desperate to know Christ. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now, is so different from the way we normally close the service. I know you're in the balconies, some of you in the galleries. But if you know somebody and you're saying, I'm going to talk to this person, I'm going to just try my best to encourage them to come for November 3rd or 4th to one of these really, really important test message, text message weekends. Such an important weekend, November 3rd and 4th. Man, please. It might be a neighbor. It might be somebody you go to school with. You say, Mark, I don't even know their name. It's just that, that girl in third hour class, or it's just that guy that works at that workstation. It's just that guy that wears the ACDC shirt. It's just, I don't know, but God will know who they are. And just write a description. But I'm going to ask you to do something. We just get out of your seat right now and come on down. And you say, I'm going to put their name right down here on the list. Come on, right now, wherever you are. You say, I care. about." I'm not walking to the other side of the road. I'm, and you're saying, I'm in the middle of a pew. That's okay. People will let you out. You say, I'm not walking to the other side of the road. I'm going to put their name here. And we're going to pray for you and pray for them that God will open their hearts. And there's just a little time right now. You come on right now if God's put somebody in your mind. It's time, even if you're in the balcony or the galleries, don't worry. We're going to take some time this morning. This is just too big. Just too much at stake. You say, Well, Mark, God just now put them on my mind. That's okay. That's the time to to say, Yeah, this is the person I'm inviting. And I'm asking that people pray for me because it's going to be hard. I read last time, it just got to my heart because people had written, Pray for me. I want to talk to my dad. I want to talk to my mom. I want to talk to my brother and my sister. And uh, I just ask you to come right now if God's put somebody on your mind. still time. While you're still riding, I wrote this verse down before I came in last night to the Saturday service. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, this is in the message. The Bible says, never walk away from someone who needs help. Listen to this line. Your hand is God's hand for that person. How many times do we say, well, I care about this person. I want God to do something in his or her life. When the Bible says your hand is God's hand for that person. In other words, God wants to work through you. God wants to use what you say. You say, well, Mark, I I just mess, I I try to say things that never comes out right. That's why God's going to help you. You know that? That's what, I mean, these, Many of you have written somebody's name in, and you're saying, wow, now I have to get the courage to go talk to this person. Listen, God will help you. God will go with you. God cares about what you're doing. You're not going to do this by yourself. God cares about what you're doing. You don't have to pray, is this God's will for me to talk to that person? You know it's God's will. You can do it in absolute confidence. And so I'm going to encourage you, please, whatever it takes, encourage people to be here November 3rd and 4th or 3rd or 4th for those, one of those weekend services. And uh, I just believe this. I believe people. I mean, listen, we're going to pray for those people. Some of us are going to fast and pray that God will touch people's lives and hearts on this very, very important weekend. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every weekend at New Spring, I want to give people an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ, and many do, and some of you here today, you receive Christ just like this. If you're here today, you say, well, Mark, you talked about heaven. I'm not sure I'm going. Well, as we've already said, it's not a matter of living a perfect life because none of us can. It's not what you do for God. It's what God has done for you. God loved you so much, the Bible says, that he gave his only son to die on the cross. And here's the way God looked at it. When Jesus died on the cross, his death became a payment for everything that you've done wrong. If you're willing to accept Jesus, if you're willing to turn from the old way of life and to turn to Christ, the Bible says the, God will wash away every sin. That you, that's such an, I, I talk about it every day, but that's such a wonderful promise. And if you're, really, if you're willing to accept Christ, he will forgive you and give you a new start in life. If you've never, you say, well, I don't know how to pray and ask Christ. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer just like I did in Glasgow last week. And if you want to, you can pray this prayer with me and God will listen to your prayer. Here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you died to pay for my sins. Wash me clean and make me God's child. I turn from my old way of life and I follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Say, well, Mark, that's so simple. Yeah, but God is on the other end. That's what makes it powerful. And if you prayed to receive Christ, you got, you know, like Lance said, you got an iPhone or something like it this morning. There's a decision card back there, and you can just check the box and say, Mark, I prayed with you to receive Christ. You can drop it in the offering plate. You can drop it in the boxes by the back doors or the bottom of the staircases. I've got a package I want to send you this week. It's got some DVDs, some great material that will help you take your first steps in following Jesus. If you'll give me an an address, I'll mail it to you. If you don't want to wait, you can go right back to guest services. You can just hand them this card. You don't have to make a speech or anything. You can just give this to them and they'll give it to you today. You can take it with you and you can know the wonderful decision that you've just made. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward now to Receive the morning offering. It's our time now to give our Lord the tithes and offerings, the gifts for remodeling for kids' ministry here at New Spring. And whatever God is touching your heart to do, you do that, and God will bless you in so many wonderful ways. Let's ask God's blessing on the gifts. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your people and the generosity that they have to change the world. Bless their gifts, and we give in faith, knowing that your word teaches we can never outgive you.